Hey guys, it's Dean here in post to make a very special announcement. The Blue Collar Boys are officially announcing our own website. The link is bcbpodcast.square.site. Make sure to go check it out. Sign up for our emailing list. We promise not to blow up your inbox with junk. We reserve emails for special announcements only. We have merch for sale, affiliates on the site, as well as applications to fill out and a chance at ambassadorship. So make sure to go check that out. Keep up the great work. Thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it a lot. Enjoy the next epi. It's a banger. Please listen all the way through and leave us some feedback on what you all think. Enjoy. Warning. This content may contain material that some viewers may find disturbing. Viewer discretion advised. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blue Collar Boys. Uh, the boys are down one tonight. Hunter couldn't make it, so it's just me, Cam, uh, Duncan, and Dino tonight. But uh, we got a lot of good talking points tonight, especially at the end. We got one that's probably going to get a little heated, so uh, stick around for that one and We'll hop right into it. We're going to start off with a little bit of baseball. Uh, we're all Sox fans here, so the Sox been absolutely stroking lately. Uh, they had a 15-1 to win the other day, and they had two series sweeps in a row. Uh, pitching's going off. The bats are, you know, the boys are buzzing. It's great to see. Uh, I hope they're not peaking too early is my only worry. But uh, Yeah, same here. I mean, Sox, every year you watch them, you, for some reason... They peak in, like, June, July, and then October is, like, kind of shitty. So, um, I don't think that'll happen because, I mean, we had that, like, 10-game losing streak back in, what was it, May, maybe? Something like that, yeah. That was kind of depressing, but um, I think that was kind of our downfall for the season, hopefully. Um, Hopefully we can bounce back from that and just kind of... Go on. I mean, right now we're on a 10-game winning streak. Which I love so. to see. Uh, all the guys are pitching great. And yep. it's also promising that Chris Sale starting to come back, too. Hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. I saw a bullpen of him the other night, dude. All of his pitchers are looking as good as they were before his injury. Yeah, he said his off-speed pit stuff is looking great right now. His slider, uh, his dude? fastball, he said, is getting up to like 92 to 94 miles an hour. Which, which is average. For which is pretty, a little bit below average. He can um, pitch 97 on I was going to say, he's usually up 97, 98 when he's at the top of his game. Right. Looking great, but I love Chris Sale. I think he's an absolute stud. I was worried about him coming back, but everything I'm hearing is promising. If you throw him into this lineup, that'll move Garrett Richards back one, all those guys back one that that'll, can be That'll basically streaky. get rid of Martin Perez. Because Martin Perez is our worst, weakest pitcher right now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Martin Perez, did you see his tweet that he put out on Twitter the other day? I did not. Hang on. I'll was it about up. the Red Sox? Yeah, he basically said, fuck you to the haters, and it was awesome. Um, hang on. I mean, he's an alright pitcher, but if you're facing a team that's really hard to play... I got you. He tweeted out... A picture of himself tipping his cap to the crowd. He said, I just want to remind you that, in all caps, we are fucking good. Another victory, another sweep, and we are coming for much more. Thank you, fans, for all the support that you have provided us these days at Fenway. We will keep fighting in this road trip, and we will see you soon again. I think this is awesome. Uh, The Boston market in itself is the hardest market to play for in all of sports, whether that's hockey, basketball, baseball, or football, if you count the Patriots, obviously you will. And I think that you look at a lot of pitchers in the past, especially pitchers in baseball, because they get, you know, game basically relies on them defensively. If they right. pitch like crap, you're going to get a shell, you're going to lose a game. And people like David Price in the past, who just haven't put up with Boston sports fans, media, whatever, right. don't pitch well and they end up getting run out in the end like David Price did. So to see a guy like Martin Perez, who's not the most talented guy out there, but can interact with the fans in the way that he does and do stuff like that, that's what Boston fans love to see. Right. And I think that it's awesome. And. For this team to come into the season the way they did with the low expectations and people saying they're only going to be a 60 or 70 win team, they're on track to win over 100 games right now. And that's uh-huh. yeah. absolutely They're already incredible. halfway there. Yeah, they're like 20-something games over 500. Uh, yeah, 20 exactly. We're 50 wins right now. Yeah, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love to see it. Um, I'm excited that Alex Cora is back. I'm still, I don't like the fact that he was part of the whole cheating thing with the Astros, but yeah. I think that he's great for this team. I think he's great for Rafael Devers. And all these other guys, and I'm so excited to see how this Red Sox team does come October. And you know, when Chris sails back, everyone's hopefully healthy, and you know, the Yankees are still playing like shit, like they are right now. And you just love to see it. The problem with the Yankees is, um, too many of their hitters are home run hitters. You know what I mean? Like you can't win. A, I mean, 
home runs are cool. You get to pimp them. You get to flip your bat. You get to do all that bullshit. But like doubles and singles win games. Yeah, if you ball. if you hit a bases clearing double, that's going to get you wins more than an actual home run. Or a strikeout. Like, you look at a guy like Aaron Judge, like, he's so much fun to watch because he hits bombs, but then he's got he goes out and he strikes out, you know, 300 times a season, and that's mm-hmm. me just pulling the number out of my ass. It's not an actual number, but... Like, it's close. And, I mean, the Sox have a couple guys like that, like Bobby Dahl, that comes to mind immediately, but, like, when you have a bunch of he's guys that can play small ball, that can keep guys on bases and keep them moving, getting base runners, getting guys home, getting those ribbies that matter so much, like, mm-hmm. that's all that matters. I mean... If you can pitch well enough and have good enough defense and then have the bats going behind you, like, you will be fine. Right. I mean, if you... The Yankees, you can't really talk about this because, like, every single team has this problem. But, like, throwback to Ichiro, his yeah. last, like, 10 seasons, he averaged 200 hits a season. Which you never hear of anymore because everybody... I mean, you get up to bat probably, what, around 500 times, right? Yeah. And you strike out three, well, probably actually like 350, you're only getting 150 hits a season. Right. And that that doesn't win ballgames at all. When you're swinging for the fences on a low and inside slider and you can't make contact, you're not going to win the game. So, um, I don't know. I think, I mean, Yankees fans, we were at Applebee's the other night, and this kid was like, I can't even remember what happened. I think... Um, Odevito might have walked somebody. This kid, like, one table down from us was like, yeah, that's what you get, you cheaters. And then he struck out, like, fucking Aaron Judge to win the game, and I was like, that's awesome, dude. You can't get any better than that. Oh, shit. I love messing with Yankee fans, because they... Okay, I respect Yankee fans and the fact that they're so passionate for their team, just like Red Sox fans are. I think it's great. I think that's an awesome rivalry. But there's so much fun. And a Yankee fan say the same thing. To just get going. If one team's playing well and the other one isn't, like, just shitting on each other and getting under each other's skin, like, it's just a fun rivalry. It's the best rivalry right. in all sports. Yeah. I mean, right up there has got to be Dodgers, Dodgers, Padres, dude. Yeah, but now, I think, too. That's like, a new rivalry, though. That exactly, hasn't been like, going for, you know, 50 years. The Sox rivalry's been going on for 100 years. Like, Babe. the Sox and Yankees, like, going all the way back to, like, Babe Ruth days to friggin'. The 86... Yeah, it originally started when the Yankees, I believe, traded for Babe Ruth from the Red Sox, and then Yankees-Red Sox players have hated each other ever since. Which, Babe Ruth was the greatest player of all time, got traded to the Yankees for cash to film a Broadway show that everybody says was absolute garbage, which, for all you non-baseball fans, started the curse of the Bambino, the Sox didn't win a World Series for 86 years, finally in 04 they reversed the curse... There's your little history lesson for the day. <laughs> Alright, moving on. Trey Turner has hit for three cycles in his career. And I don't think... I think it kind of goes overlooked because... I mean, you very rarely hear of somebody hitting three cycles in like a 20-year career. And this guy's done it in like five years. Remind me again how old this kid is? I'm not 100. I think he's right around 26. Um, Which is wild in its own right, because baseball players, like, Albert Pools is what, 40? And he's 41. Still, 41, and he's still in the league. And he just hit, he's really, really, really close to 700 home runs, too. Which is a huge number for Which is baseball fans. Which is huge, dude. He's a surefire Hall of oh, Famer. He's, he's 28. But, I mean. Jared, uh, Trey Turner, that is, not yeah, Albert Pools. Not yeah. Albert Pools. Um, I mean, that's three cycles in a fucking career is just crazy, dude. And he's so young, too. He's got plenty of time for more. But it's so easy. Every single one of his career cycles, he's had a home run, a single, and a double, and all he's needed is is a triple, and he just digs it out and somehow gets some ground ball that sticks in the right field corner or some crap. And then just digs it out for third base and gets Which, it. Which, let's be real though, the triple is the hardest hit to make in baseball. Well harder than a home run. Because, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Everybody can poke one out. Like, you look at guys like Carlos Correa, who's all 5'5", five five, can hit home runs. You know, like, right. it is what it is. You don't have to be a monster to hit a home run. But a triple, that is speed, that is contact, putting it to the right part of the field. Like, that's 
damn hard play to make in baseball, especially without errors. And for him to do it three times for a cycle, let alone triples that he's hit, not a part of a cycle, it's pretty nuts. So all these guys have three cycles in their career. That's the most cycles. And they're all retired, except for Trey Turner. Any big names? Babe Herman, Adrian Beltre, okay. Bob Musel, and John Riley. Okay. And then Trey Turner, of course. Damn, but so he's got time to... He's got Break a the lot of time, and he only has to get one. Which, let's be real, though. For you non-baseball fans, hitting a cycle is one of the hardest things to do in sport. It's crazy hard. Because not... you literally have to go four for four and get a home run, single, double, triple. Yeah. Which is hard. So my question for you is this. What's tougher, hitting for a cycle or throwing a no-hitter or a perfect game? Throwing a perfect game. Absolutely, I agree. Throwing with that. a perfect game 100% because you have to throw... Nine innings perfectly. Yeah. You can't allow a hit. I just. No I can't loss, remember the no exact numbers, but I'd have to do a little bit of research on it. Um, But, like. Didn't Roy Halladay have two perfect games? One. He had one. I watched that one. Right. Um, Rest in peace. Yeah, facts. Um, So, the number of no hitters thrown in MLB history is 312. No hitters. The number of perfect games is 29. Damn. And CC Sabathia, uh, not CC Sabathia, uh, Felix Hernandez has two of them. But still, that difference right there shows how much harder to get those last three outs or whatever is to just have the perfect game. And the, I've seen no so hitter. many like no hitters and perfect games ruined too on like the last at bat and like, stuff at-bat. like that, like. It's heartbreaking to see as a sports fan. Like, you know what's going on with baseball. Like, a no-hitter in its own right is incredible. I mean, it's just, like he said, nine innings. Well, let's explain it, too. The difference between a no-hitter and a perfect game, a no-hitter means nobody got an actual hit. But people Mm -hmm. can still get on base, whether they get hit by a pitch (coughs) or if they get walked, which is four balls. Or an error. Or an error. Or an error. A perfect game means you didn't hit a batter. No walks. You didn't walk anybody, and nobody got a hit. Nobody reached base. It's literally a perfect game. That's... One of the hardest things to do in all of sports. It's impossible, basically. I mean, not obviously not, but... Baseball's been around for over 120 years. And there's yeah. only been how many perfect games? 29. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it speaks for itself. Yeah, Which, I mean, it's great. speaking on that same note, have you ever watched the Netflix documentary about the guy that threw a no-hitter while he was high on LSD? No. Dude... Ah, oh, frick, what's the name of it? But it's incredible. Like, the dude was legit tripping on LSD and threw a no-hitter. He Is hit, it like a legit story? Yeah, he played for the Pirates back in the day. Oh, um, um. He hit, like, six batters and walked, like, seven. And they won the game, like, 4-3, if I remember right. Yeah, but the, the thing that's crazy... The thing that's crazy... Is you can win a game, but still... Th- you can lose a game, but still throw a no-hitter. Yeah, so... Doc Ellis was his name. He did it. In, oh, Doc Ellis. Yeah. yeah, he did it in 1970, and yeah, back when roids weren't even really big. Right, roids. When people wouldn't whatever. get busted on him. Uh, but yeah, he freaking threw a no hitter on LSD while he was tripping. Like that's wild. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know why the hell you would keep him in at that point. His quote was, "I'm high as a Georgia pine." <laughs> That's funny as hell, dude. But <laughs> what you just asked, why would you keep him in if he's tripping? If a pitcher is throwing no hitter, you don't pull him. I don't right. care if it's the eighth inning or if it's the sixteenth inning. If he's got a no hitter going, you do not pull him out of the game. Well, if it's the sixteenth inning, he's pushing two hundred pitches. I don't care if it's a no hitter. <laughs> it's a no hitter. You Your don't pull a guy. Dead at that point. You don't pull right. a guy with a no hitter. Right. But although I mean, a team did nowadays, just... nowadays if he did that. If he pegged, what'd you say, five batters? Something like you'd that. You'd be tossed at that point. Right. Because after, like, two, they start to think that you're doing it intentionally. So, I mean... Keep in mind, then, though, this was 1970. This is, like, Woodstock days. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> let's be real that here. shit doesn't happen anymore. All right. So, we can... I mean, I would talk about the Braves 20-run game, but it happens almost... Twice a week, I swear. Um, yeah, that's been crazy lately, especially since it came down on the spider tap stuff. Oh, yeah, dude. 
That's they. We already had what two busts on that already. Yeah. One of the Mariners pitchers was busted. Um, the umpires went out to test Max Scherzer and basically had him undress on the freaking mound. Well, he did that himself. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But they tested him and they didn't find any spider attack on him. Garrett Cole um, has had the lowest spin rate on his slider since he was on the Houston Astros. Which was, I can't even remember how long ago, but his slider now is 1,900 RPMs. Revolutions per minute. Right. His slider before this whole spider tag thing was happening was 2,500. Holy shit. So, it's not quite, it's not even close to being cut in half, but... That's a lot less. So for those of you that don't know, spider tack is a substance that people can put on their hands to give them extra grip. It's kind of like stick'em that people used to use in the NFL back in the day, wide receivers on their hands. Um, It was actually created for professional powerlifting, so they can grip the bar easier and the um, massive rocks that you see in the strongman competitions. Yeah, the stones. Um, It's kind of like pine tar. Same idea. Um, It's just create extra grip on the ball, which if you have extra grip, you can make the ball spin more, which will make it break, which is movement on the ball, which right. makes it hard for the pitcher, the batters to hit. Um, so spider tack was just another thing they used to have grip on not, the ball. Not many people used it either. 90% of the pitchers in the league use rosin with either spit or sunscreen. Or, or sunscreen. Which, I mean... Which still makes a really sticky substance. Right. Rosin alone is sticky, but it's not sticky enough, apparently. Yeah. So, I had another topic I want to talk about in baseball, and that's um, Trevor Bauer. Have you heard about that at all? No. So, he's placed on administrative leave right now for the next week. I did see that, but I've never really looked into it. He is um, on administrative leave, like I said, because he's got a restraining order that just got put against him because he choked a girl out and punched her in the face and stuff while they were having intercourse. Yeah. And uh, it kind of... Touched me a little bit, just because, no pun intended, just because, uh, I don't know, like, in the world right now, especially baseball players, as of late with, like, Rolls Chapman and stuff, with domestic violence and stuff, like, none of that's okay, and there's no place for that in our world, and, like, Trevor Bauer's one of the best pitchers in the MLB, and, you know, to see something like this happen, I'm really interested to see what the M- the MLB does and how they react and what kind of punishment he gets, especially if he gets down guilty of all this kind of stuff, just because of the fact that... That's not okay. No, I don't care what the circumstances is, whatever, you don't lay your hands on a woman, especially right. men either. You know, it goes both ways. Don't put your hands on your partner in a violent way. Um, but I just wanted to hear what you thought about it with him being one of the best pitchers in the MLB and with him pitching so well as of late and then to have this finally come out. Well, my whole thing is like the whole Sean Oakman thing back in the day. Like, there's a difference between... Like, so he's not just signing a big contract. When the whole Sean Oakman thing happened... He was getting ready to get drafted. He was getting ready. He was a top 30 draft pick, or they thought. They were talking about him going number one. Number one. For a little bit of background, Sean Oakman was a defensive end from Baylor University. He played football. Absolute monster. Dude was He looks huge. like G.K. Metcalf on steroids. I want to say he was like 6'6", 240, but the dude had an 8-pack. Like, this dude's nuts. Look him up online. It's He's scary to even look at. Yeah, he's um, a giant. And literally like a month before the NFL draft, um, the, yeah. he had rape allegations come out against him. And spent of course, three years in prison. Yep, spent three years in prison, and then he got found not guilty. Um, through the appeals process because the girl ended up saying that she faked all the allegations of rape against him. So if that would have happened here, if he was about to sign, you know, like a $240 million contract, I'd be like, I don't know, it seems a little fishy because we've seen it before. But whereas he signed the contract that he signed with the Dodgers like fucking three years ago. So it's it's not like false rape accusations or anything like that. But I don't know. I feel like... I feel like some pro athletes kind of feel like they're above the law sometimes. Absolutely. Because, you know, they have 200 and... That's probably a lot. But, like, millions of subscribers on Instagram or YouTube or something like that. Especially for Trevor Bauer with his vlog. I feel like they're kind of, they kind of feel like they're above the law. Which gets them in trouble in this case. But, um... I don't know. 
I haven't really done any research on it, so I'm not 100% sure of what the story is, but, um, I don't know, I kind of feel like he wasn't being careful enough and kind of fucked himself over there. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, like, rough sex is a common thing, like, people are into it, like, especially with porn and all that, like, it's a big thing, but when you're talking about legitimately choking someone out and punching them in the bedroom, and not in a joking way where someone's like, uh uh-huh, punch me in the face, no, like, this is... He was legit punching her in the face. Like, that's not okay. Like, that crosses right. the line. Like, I don't know. It just makes me lose a lot of respect for him, not only as a ball player, but as a person in general. Yeah. And, like, I'll never, like, roll this Chapman after the stuff he did. Like, I, roll this Chapman could throw a fastball 105 miles an hour. He's punching his girlfriend in the face. Like, that's, that's not okay. Right. And I don't think I can ever really respect an athlete after that. So. I don't know. I just. People need to be more careful, I guess. Especially when they have a spotlight on them as big as Trevor Bauer has. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all these athletes are under a microscope constantly. And, right. I mean, granted, his behavior is unexcusable anyway, but as someone who's in the spotlight constantly, whether that's as an athlete, as a politician, as anybody, period, like, just don't be an asshole, basically. Be a decent person, and people will love you and respect you. And like your head, too. Don't do dumb shit. Literally. Right. Um, so, the Brewers were down 7 nothing to the Cubs. And I saw a In the bunch, first inning, right? Yeah, in the first inning. And then they had a 10-run inning and a 4-run inning back-to-back. And then just kept the lead the entire game. Held the Cubs to 7 runs. And... I saw a bunch of videos on like TikTok and stuff like that where people were like, "Yeah, don't even come at my Cubs. We're up seven zero right now." <laughs> but you never saw the follow up of like, "Oh fuck, we just lost fifteen to four, fifteen to seven. In, we had the lead for like an inning and then just completely blew it." Well, I mean, the same thing kind of happened with Shohei Otani against the Yankees. He got which Shohei Otani is probably the favorite for the MVP right now. Oh yeah, we've talked about hey, it in yeah, previous yes. episodes. In previous episodes. He got it, went out there and got shelled in the first two innings. And they were down, I don't even know, they were down by a bunch of runs anyway. Mm-hmm. And they ended up coming back and beating the Yankees. Because the Yankees are on a bunch of games losing skid right now. Yeah, it's a lot, dude. Yeah, like they're terrible. I don't think they're in the bottom of the AL East, but they in might. fourth. They are in fourth. So the, the Orioles are ahead of them? No. Blue Jays. It goes Red Sox, Sox. Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, Orioles. Where? Orioles are at 23 wins right now. Dude. Yikes. It's That's bad. Awful. It's really bad. Um, so, Kyle Schwarber just set the record for the most home runs in a se- uh, month. Which was how many? 16, I believe, was the number. In a 30-day month. Right, but it wasn't 30 days. It started June 19th. When he started raking them. Right. And he had like four or five two run two home run games, and then he just hit nukes every single game for whatever many days that is. But it wasn't even an entire month, and he set the most home runs for a month. So in twelve days, he hit sixteen home runs. Yeah, that is nuts. I, <sighs> Hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do in any sport. You've said that before. Absolutely. Because if you're throwing a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, that reaction time where you have to make to swing or not swing, put the bat on the ball in the sweet spot, to put that ball over the fence at 350 feet is incredible. Plus. Exactly. I mean, it's... The other thing that's hard about it is... To hit 16 of them in 12 days... It's crazy. And they're not playing every day either. Right. You know, there's a couple days off here and there, whatever, whatever. So, you're looking realistically at 16 home runs in probably 7 or 8 days, if I had to guess. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, So, the hard thing with hitting a baseball is... Okay, so if you look at statistically, 90% of home runs are hit off of... Not breaking balls, but... um, Breaking balls that didn't break? Well, that, but... So, like, 1% of home runs are off of fastballs. Right. And then... I want to say it's like 90% of them are hit off of curveballs or sliders. And then the other 9% are hit off of change-ups. 
So 90%, 99% of home runs are hit off of off-speed pitches. you got to keep some so, too. Like a changeup still coming in at 80 miles an hour. But it's a lot slower than 99. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, that's still, like, that's a ball's coming in quick. Yeah. That's it's not like you're sitting there and you're, you know, watching someone underhand pitch it to you and it's arcing in and you've got plenty of time to just sit under there, load up, and freaking hit a dinger. Even curveballs and sliders. I mean, Jacob DeGrom's slider is 92. Which is nuts. Which is fast as hell for a slider, dude. Like, but, it's just incredible. I don't know. I mean, if you... If you want to... If you're trying to hit a home run, and you have a slider up there like... Um, I can't remember his name. He's the closer for the Blue Jays. Jordan something. Yep. Where he's got like a 76 mile an hour curveball... And a 99-mile-an-hour heater. That'll buckle your knees so quick. It's almost impossible to hit a homer because you have to, A, on the fastball, you have to guess if it's a fastball or a changeup or a slider or a curveball. And if it's you a strike or a ball. You have to guess before it even leaves his hand. And if it's a fastball, you either have to decide in, like, it's less than a half a second. Yeah. I'm going to swing or I'm going to not. But then if it's a slider... You're gonna swing at a fastball and be three seconds early. Yeah. Which is, that's the hardest part about hitting a baseball is the off-speed pitches that a pitcher can throw you that just literally wreck you. And keep in mind too, like most pitchers have a good three or four pitch arsenal in their disposal. You know whether that's yeah. a fastball and a changeup usually, or they'll have a four-seam fastball, two-seam fastball, and then like a curve and a change. But then you also have guys that can throw sliders, sinkers, risers. Cutters. Uh, cutters, gyro balls, if you want to talk about. Do you remember uh, the guy from the Red Sox? What was his name back in the day? That was nuts. Uh, oh, uh, Dice K. He oh, threw Dice K. Dude, yeah. Matsuzaka, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. He had a gyro pitcher. ball. You've got... Which moves. Oh, yeah. Like, weird You've ways. got guys that can throw a slurve. Like, all this other stuff. Like, you have to Shane figure out Bieber, how... Shane Bieber is one of few... That I didn't realize that it was such a common pitch because, like, maybe 10 to 15 pitchers in the MLB pitch it, but a knuckle curve. Yep, knuckle curves, Which, knuckle balls, too. I mean, all these guys can throw all these different pitches, and you have to figure out how each ball moves for each pitcher in order to be able to hit it. Otherwise, you're going to be swinging and missing all day long. Well, that that's the problem is, like, with a curveball, you know it's going to break the same almost every single time. Unless it's a hanger or unless it bites too much. With a knuckleball, it's nearly impossible to hit because even the pitcher doesn't know where that shit's going. Which is why catchers that can catch knuckleballers are incredible. Yeah. That's why you have guys like Jason Veritek. That's why you have guys like um, the catcher for the Red Sox right now. His name's escaped me. He's Hispanic. Vasquez? Yeah, Vasquez. He can catch a knuckleball. I mean, there's very few... You don't really have a pitcher that throws one right now, though. He was catching for Steven Wright when we had him, though. Right. He's on the Pirates now, isn't he? I have no idea where he well, is. Padres, now. he's one of but them. But either way, to be able to catch a fastball or a knuckleball, excuse me, is just as hard to throw one. Oh I mean, yeah. You have a guy like Tim Wakefield who pitched until he was like forty-three years old or something like that. Tim Wakefield, yeah, but yeah. he had a gross. Yeah, but his knuckle was nuts. Like, <laughs> you're keep in mind, when you're throwing a knuckleball. It's a completely different pitching motion than someone throwing a fastball or anything else right. because you're lit- It's a completely different motion. You're not putting as much strain onto your elbow or your shoulder or your arm in general. So you can have your career go longer. But it's also one of the hardest pitches to hit because you don't know what it's doing. So right. to be able to make it to the MLB as a knuckleballer is nuts to begin with. And then to have an actual good career with it is even harder. It's impossible, not impossible, but it's crazy that people that throw knuckleballs make it into the league. Because if you look at all of them, Tim Wakefield, Stephen Wright, that's all I can think of for knuckleballers right uh, now. Dickie, what's his name? R.A. Dickey, he used to throw a knuckleball. All three of those guys, their fastball were high 80s. Which isn't that fast for an right. MLB pitcher And if now. you go to the MLB combine, they only focus on your fastball. Right. Basically. So if you're walking in there with an 88 to 89 mile an hour fastball, and they're like, ah, oh, this guy isn't great, and then you huck a freaking knuckleball that breaks 12 inches wherever the fuck it wants, that's why they're picking them up. And that's why they're called knuckleballers, just because that's one of their best pitches that they can throw. And that's one of the only pitches they can throw without getting matched. Baseball is one of the craziest sports in that every position needs to do something completely different. And 
what you do, every position is incredibly important on the field. Right. Like you look at the difference between a guy playing first and a guy playing shortstop, a guy playing center, a guy playing catcher. All their duties are completely different by position, but they're all so important to the entire team's success. One thing that used to piss me off so much is how much hate right fielders get. Because right fielder is one of the most important places on the field. Because if there's a guy on second and you catch a pop-up, you have to be able to throw it from either deep or short right field and pick him off at third base. Because you know he's going. Right. And you have to be able to make that, you know, 320-foot throw in the air or one hop, which for most people isn't possible. Yeah. I mean, you have to have an absolute cannon. Like, you have guys like Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, like those Dave guys. Dave Winfield used to be one. Jim Rice. Jim Rice. Uh, Barry, Barry Larkin. Barry McCockner? No. Barry, Barry <laughs> Larkin. Okay. Barry Larkin used to be one. He would just huck it from right field. But... I don't know, dude. There's so many that can just absolutely chuck it. Speaking of having an absolute cannon, did you see the play by Cabrian Hayes? It's crazy, dude. I've watched that play so many times because... Okay, so... Cabrian Hayes is a... I want to say he's a rookie third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Either way, he's young. Right. And... If you guys think back, like... Probably two, three years ago, Manny Machado had a play where he grounded a grounder, obviously. He fielded a grounder, At third and then, base. yep, went out of bounds. Not out of bounds, that's golf. Into foul uh, territory. Yep, went into foul territory, and just kind of slung it across his body back to first base and got the guy out. While fading away. Yeah. Off foot, too. So he threw it from his right foot instead of his left. Um... This is exactly what Cabrian Hayes does, but I think, I mean, I have to watch the video over again, but he's probably 10 to 12 feet foul ground by the time he actually gets this ball in his throwing hand and is able to throw it over to first and beats the guy by maybe a half a step. It's close, but... And the guy that's running is fast, too. I can't remember who it was, but... Um, Either way, to be able to get that out is nuts anyway. I mean, I just... Played, I played third base for most of my life, and that throw was nearly impossible. The strength that... And, first of all, not only just the strength to get it there from foul territory from third base to first base is nuts, but also the coordination to be able to put it on the money where it needs to be for yeah. the first base. If you, you watch it, it's ball. almost to his chest, dude. It's, it's so accurate. That play is incredible. Like, even if you aren't a baseball fan and don't understand how hard that play is, to be able to just watch it and say, holy shit, like, if you go back on YouTube or whatever to find that play, I guarantee you that even as a casual fan or someone that doesn't even really like baseball, to see that play, you're still going to be say, holy shit, that was a hell of a play. Yeah. Because even him fielding the ball, I think he backhanded it, didn't he? Backhands it, flicks it up, and just kind of throws it across his body. It's it's just an incredible athletic play. And if all you appreciate I, sports at all, give it a watch. It is well worth it. It's maybe like a 30-second clip at the absolute most. Yeah. They show a replay. Like, I highly recommend you check it out. It's crazy. Um, it's something that happened where players are now allowed to make money off their name and off their face. So anybody that's on, like, um, like destroying... The guy that used to do the yeah. football videos. He was a kicker for UCF, and UCF. then he got his uh, scholarship taken away by the NCAA because, because he was making YouTube his videos, videos got monetized by YouTube. Which yeah. before, so the Supreme Court just ruled in a decision saying that the NCAA could not stop players from making money off their name, image, and likeness. Right. So that means that players will be allowed to sign autographs and get paid, or sign sponsorship deals and get paid. Or basically do whatever they want and make money, which they were never allowed to do. Right. Uh, Denzel Valentine, who is a player in the NBA now, got suspended by the NCAA because he made a $40 donation to a charity. Like, the NCAA has been nuts for a long time about not letting anyone do anything to make any kind of money. Which is why, like, there was a big decision, I want to say like 10 or 15 years ago now, um that they weren't allowed to make video games anymore because a former basketball player from the University of Michigan didn't like that he was featured in a video game using his name, his likeness, and didn't get paid for it, which I agree is kind of bullshit. But, like, the last NCAA football game, for example, was made in 2014, which actually would have been the 2013 season because that's how video games work. Yeah. It was Denard Robinson was on the cover, played for Michigan. 
Now the uh, Supreme Court has ruled that they can do that. And now that they're allowed to make money for it. Exactly, which I think is great. Um, there's already been a ton of athletes that have signed sponsorship deals. People can make money off of TikToks now because there's a set of twins that play. I want to say like basketball or volleyball. The Cav- Car- Carvinder twins or something? Yeah, something like that. Pair of blondes or smoke shows. Yeah. Yep. They're making money now. Um, Livy Dune. Yeah, like there's a bunch of them that are making a ton of money now. And that's great. Like I think it's awesome. Like everyone, pretty much a lot of our listeners can relate to being a poor college student. Right. These athletes have the opportunity to sign sponsorship deals and make money so they're not a poor athlete. I think this is even better, especially for the people that are coming out of low-income or poverty-stricken areas Mm. that have never had money in their life, can start making money for their families almost immediately as soon as they get to college because they're not going to be deemed ineligible for trying to make money. You have guys like Johnny Manziel who just went on another podcast called Bustin' with the Boys, which is a barstool podcast, talking about how he signed like 10,000 autographs mm-hmm. for 30 cents a piece while he was in college all under the table the NCAA didn't know about it at the time obviously they found and out about it made about three grand that. yeah and it was like all hush hush because he needed to make money like being able to do this now is huge for those athletes mm-hmm. and you know good for them good for the athletes they get to do this now because that's I think bullshit it's really huge too because I can't I want to say it might have been Chris Paul But he was in college, and he had, like, this whole talk about when he was drafted to the NBA, before he was drafted, um, his bank account had $122 in it. And, I mean, look at where he's at. He's probably, I don't even know what his salary is, but it's upwards of $15 million a year. He's been in the NBA for 16 seasons either way. Yeah, so he's made his money now. Right, exactly. But that just goes to show you that, like, not being able to get paid in in college, like, sucks. Because you can't pay for... $122, you can't buy anything. I mean, nowadays, you buy gas and you're taking half of that. Especially if you drive a truck. I think that uh, J.J. Redick had the best quote that I've seen. Uh, He played basketball for Duke for four seasons. He's a Duke legend and he's still in the NBA. Um he made a funny comment where he said, if I was getting paid in college, I would have blown all my money on Lacoste polo shirts with the collars popped and Natty Light, which I absolutely loved that comment just because I thought it was funny. But still, like... He's a legend, dude. These kids should be able to make money. And I feel bad for the athletes that lost out on making money because you have mm-hmm. guys like Vince Young, Johnny Manziel, uh, Reggie Bush, Zion Williamson, like yeah. all these athletes who are larger-than-life people in college, which... The difference between Zion Williamson was larger than life in freaking elementary school, dude. Literally, I was following him since he was in seventh grade. Yeah, I was watching him on YouTube and stuff. Another one that's just like that is Julian Newman. Yeah. When he gets to college, dude, granted, hate the kid, such a show off. But when he gets to college, he's gonna if now that you're allowed to make money from your face and from your name, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, he's all over Snapchat anyway. They have the following the Newmans or whatever. I see it pop up once in a while on the Discover part of my Snapchat oh, no, app. But what is that called? Um, following okay. the Newmans or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. It's like keeping up with the Kardashians, but for the Newman family. But I don't like, want to weigh in on the whole NCAA thing. Yeah, what's um, up? Kind of playing devil's advocate for both sides here. Um, I think they should get paid, but I also don't think they should. So why I think they should get paid is the amount of time that they have to devote outside of being a full-time college student. So you're already doing 40 hours between going to class, homework, and all that other stuff. The amount of time that you spend at practice, games, on the road, on the road for practices, or whatever you may do, lifting, meals, sleeping, you're pulling... 70, 80 hour weeks. As a Division one athlete, they, the college owns you. You do exactly yeah. what they say on their for schedule. For D1, you're doing 40 hours just for sports. Yeah, not in, a, in addition to what you're doing for school. Yeah, so you're doing 80 hour weeks if you're do, if you're at D1, if you have a six course load. Granted, course. those D1 athletes also aren't paying for their tuition. They aren't paying for all that stuff. Yeah, they get extra help. ride school. Yeah, I mean... Which they, is where I was going. <clears throat> Why I don't think they should. You'll get... 20, 30 grand to go to school to play a sport there, but it goes in as a scholarship, so it doesn't directly go to you, but you're getting quote unquote 30 grand a year to go to school, so you only pay like two, three grand out of pocket. A lot of the big schools too will give stipends to their athletes anyway, 
per week or per month usually of you know a couple hundred bucks but like you think about it too like you still have to be able to buy food like not everyone wants to eat commons food all the time like yeah. you still want to be able to buy clothes buy what necessities that you need like as female athletes you need to be able to buy feminine products you know you have to be able to buy stuff like i don't care your school can't provide everything for you yeah but at the same time too the like you said, they're getting paid to go there and getting their education paid for, which is great. But they also should be able to make money off of themselves. And if they want to be able to sign an autograph for somebody and make 10 bucks here and there, sure, why not? Or I'm a big video game guy. Like I still play NCAA 14 on my Xbox 360. They should be able to make those video games, and those athletes should get paid for it. Mm. Like I definitely think this is a huge win for these athletes and for all of us that enjoy you know, college sports in general, because I don't care what anyone says, fan bases for college sports versus professional sports, it's night and day. College March, sports are March so much more. March Madness is great, but you look at football, bro, down south, they don't care about the NFL. No. They care about college. Alabama fans, bro, are rabid. LSU fans, nuts. Like, the entire SEC alone is just crazy. Also, like, also just look at their stadiums, dude. A lot of them are bigger than NFL stadiums. What's the biggest stadium in the NFL? Jerry's World, I believe. Dallas Cowboys. It's either that or SoFi Stadium, which is the Rams. And that holds, what, 80,000? Ohio State football fan holds 110,000 people. And they fill it every single Every single night. And it's... There was, like, a study on it that during the home game, when the Ohio State fans get, like, pumped up, around the stadium you can feel... Like yeah, like the it's, people jumping. It's seismic. It's, it's 120,000, 110,000 people just jumping yeah. up and down. Yeah, I mean, like, even if you look at the NFL stadiums that are made for noise, like, you got Kansas City and Seattle are the two loudest stadiums in the NFL. They usually sell out every game. But those stadiums mm. are built for noise because they're built like a bowl. So all right. the sound reverberates off each other. Like, when uh, Marshawn Lynch had that crazy run in Seattle, they had Against actual... The Saints? Yeah, they yeah. had actual seismic activity, which is, like, earthquake-level stuff. Because of that run, all the fans were going nuts. These college stadiums do that stuff all the time. And yeah, the yeah, stadiums yeah, aren't yeah. built for noise like that. Like, they're huge because they want to accommodate that many people. The biggest stadium is MetLife. Really? Yeah. How many is it hold? I'm trying to look at that right now, but it says that MetLife... On the college level thing, how many of those 80,000 or the 110,000 are students? A lot. Like, you look at, like, this is switching to basketball, but, like, Cameron Indoor, which is Duke Stadium, sell out every single game, and it's, like, a 20-year waiting list as an outsider to be able to even get a ticket. Jesus. Yeah, like, it's nuts. Like, so many of these stadiums, like, even UMaine, like... And then how many professional games are college students that go to those? I mean, not many can't afford tickets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the highest <clears throat> stadium seating capacity is MetLife with 82.5. But with a peak capacity of 100,000 spectators, AT&T Stadium, which I'm not sure who plays there. I think that's Jerry World. Doesn't look like Cowboys colors, though. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Wait, never mind. That's MetLife. That... Yeah, it's Arlington, Texas. It's Jerry's World. So, Cowboys Stadium. Oh, is it? I yeah. wasn't... What's what's the Texans? The Texans... Are they MetLife? No, that's... Hang on. I'm looking it up. What the hell? NRG. NRG yeah, Stadium. Yeah, it is NRG. Okay. I don't know why that took me so long to figure out. Um, But yeah, that's... So, the biggest NFL stadium is... 18,000 less than, well, 28,000 less than Ohio State Stadium. Which is crazy, dude. The fact that you are a college and have that many people showing up to your freaking football games is crazy. So, for those of you that have stuck around, we're on to our special topic now. This is going to get a little bit heated, more than likely. Probably. Um, This story is just now breaking. We're recording on Friday night, and it is July 2nd. Um, Shakari Richardson is an Olympic athlete, and yes, I'm still going to say Olympic athlete because she should be. Um, she runs a 100-meter dash for the track and field event. A good one, too. Yeah. 10.8, right? Yep, 10.8, which is pretty good even for guys. Um, yeah. And she took first, she was going to the Olympics, and then she recently got drug tested and failed her drug test. She tested positive for marijuana in her system. Unfortunately, 
Her mother recently passed away. She found out in an interview with a reporter that her mother passed away. And she came out and said, yes, I used marijuana as a coping mechanism. She's from Oregon where it is legal. And she decided to use marijuana. I don't know if she smoked it or ingested it. However, the Olympic Committee has a list of banned substances that aren't just for athletes from the United States, but for athletes all over the world that compete right. in the Olympics. These athletes know what's banned, and they know what not to take and what they can take. Marijuana is on that list and always has been. Mm -hmm. She knew that, and she took it anyway. And just like athletes that use steroids or use marijuana or whatever else, they know that if they get caught, there will be repercussions. And she has come out and said... Yes, I took it. I'll accept the consequences and essentially apologize. Hmm. Which sucks because I would have loved to have seen what she could have done at the world stage. But I also struggle to find sympathy for it because she knew the rules. Right. And she did it anyway. And she trained her entire life to go to the Olympics to compete on the world stage for a chance at a gold medal and to represent the United States of America. And she just threw that all away over... I'm just going to say a joint just because it's easy. She threw it away over a joint. Mm. Like, that is... I struggle to find sympathy for someone like that because you knew what was coming. You just made it to the Olympics. Whether you placed there or not, you made it. That is incredible for any athlete. She made it there and threw it all away. Mm. Like, I struggle to find sympathy for that. Like, I think the rule itself is bullshit because I think marijuana, one, is not performance enhancing. The only thing that it could possibly do is be used as a pain reliever right. because you know you feel pretty good if you smoke marijuana i'm not afraid to admit that i have in the past um but other than that like it's marijuana but it's federally illegal and it's on the list of banned substances and she knew the consequences she did it anyway mm. but i'm interested to hear what the two of you guys think about this situation <clears throat> i agree with you on most of it like you said um it would would have been nice to see her go and compete, but um, if you put, if you look at any, any sport ever, they have a list of banned substances that you're not allowed to use. They no matter have, where you go, like MPA for high school, NCAA for college, D3, D1, even D2 schools, um, if you play club. USA Hockey for youth hockey. Officials have to follow it. Pros have to follow it in the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, baseball, bat, uh, I said basketball, but yeah, everything. Swimming. I mean, my whole thing too is like, anytime that you use a substance, you're taking a risk. Whether that's for overdosing, getting arrested because it's an illegal substance. I mean, high school kids do it all the time, even with alcohol. Right. Alcohol, if you want to get technical, is like a banned substance because it's illegal. But every time a high school kid takes that risk, gets alcohol, and decides to go and party on a weekend, is taking a risk, and there are repercussions. Right. You can get pissy because you got caught, but you still broke the rule. And mm. consequences need to happen for the <laughs> because you broke the rule. And I mean, that sucks. Because, you know, everybody does it, whatever, whatever, but you still broke the rule, and there need to be consequences. Right. You need to be held rules. accountable. Rules um, are rules, and you don't learn if you don't get disciplined. Right, and like, even if you disagree with the rule, like, I disagree... That I disagree with the Olympic Council in saying that marijuana should be a banned substance because I don't think it should be. I think marijuana is good. I think there's a ton of positive things that can come with it, but it's still illegal for them in that. <clears throat> like and they Dwayne can't Wade use it. said, like Dwayne Wade said, like probably at least half of the people that make the rules for the Olympics probably smoke. That's like not the point, said. though. They're not the athletes. I do want right. to add in. That in a lot of these different parts of the world, too, I don't know rules for the other ones, so I will come up front and say that right off. For the Olympics, um, it should be all the same. It is. However, in different parts of the world, different countries have different rules on uh, marijuana. So, I mean, even but, within the U.S., you get that state by state, but it's still yeah, federally illegal. Yeah, so there's a federal level and state level, and I think it's the same over in different countries, overseas, like everywhere else. Which, legality is fine, but... If you're an Olympic athlete, there's a list of rules yeah. that you have to follow. I mean, and you look you... at, like, Seattle Seahawks. They play in Seattle, Washington. In the state of Washington, marijuana is illegal. However, if you're Josh Gordon and you play for the Seahawks and you test positive for the sixth time for marijuana, you're going to get suspended from the league. Right. Yeah. 
there's consequences for your actions, and if there's rules written down, you're going to face the consequences for that. Like, I have to get drug tested to work at Hudamaki. I said it's just like a job. Right. I have to get drug tested to work at Hudamaki. If I fail that drug test, I'm not getting that job or I'm getting fired. Yeah. So I can't use marijuana. It's that simple. Sha'Carri Richardson is an Olympic hopeful, Olympic athlete. She can't use marijuana. She used marijuana. She got kicked off the Olympic team. She knew the rules going into it. And, and she... I feel bad about it. I do. I really feel for her in the sense that I think the rules bullshit. Right. But I don't feel bad because she knew the rules and did yeah. it anyway. I mean... Like, I feel bad in the sense that, like, her mom just died. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time... I feel bad time, for anyone having, losing their mom. Yeah, yeah, that's a shitty situation. But just don't turn to a substance to cope. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an unhealthy coping mechanism, but everyone copes differently through loss. I mean, grieving is a terrible thing, and I feel bad for anybody losing anyone in their lives. And turning to substances is what a lot of people do, whether that's good or bad. Especially or whatever. when it's a painkiller or whatever you say. Exactly. Like, but at the same time, too, like... Like I've said, and I'll reiterate again, it's a banned substance for from the Olympic Committee, and she used it anyway. So I struggled to feel bad. She knew the rules and she did it, and it sucks. And I think the rules should be changed. I'll be right out. I'll be out front. I think the rules should change. I think it should for anything. But until it does, you need the consequences for it if you do it. Plain and simple. I mean, you have guys like in the NFL, like Percy Harvin was a wide receiver. He played for the University of Florida, and they played for like Minnesota Vikings, the Seattle Seahawks, and I think one other team. After really good one too. Yeah, he was damn good. He's retired now. And in an interview he did last year, he came out and said, "I smoked marijuana before or after every single game I played," which he got extremely lucky to not test positive. And I'm sure there's a ton of athletes that do use marijuana and other substances. And don't get caught. But if you get caught, you should face consequences. Like Josh Gordon, who I said earlier, is an incredibly talented wide receiver. Mm. He played for the Cleveland Browns. He had multiple thousand-yard seasons. He played for the Patriots for a couple yep. of games, right? A uh, season and a half, I want to say. But he's been suspended multiple times by the league. He's been suspended indefinitely from the league. And is trying to appeal it right now for the second time his indefinite suspension. Mm. And my whole thing is, you know, he's had drug use problems his entire life since high school, but he continues to use them, continues to fail drug tests, and continues to face those consequences. It's unfortunate that Sha'Carri Richardson had this happen to her, but she still needs to face the consequences for it, and if getting kicked off the Olympic team is those consequences, then she has to face them. Right. I feel like, I told you this earlier, but like DeAndre Hopkins, either uncle or cousin or brother, whatever it was... <laughs> He got arrested, I want to say 10 years ago, or he's spending, actually spending 10 years in prison for a gram of weed, mm-hmm. which I think is excessive, but at the, like you're saying, there's got to be consequences for doing something against the law. Right. And I mean, like we could have an old episode about how screwed up our justice system is in our country, especially when it comes to drugs. I mean, the state of Maine... Just passed legislation decriminalizing possession of any and all drugs, which I don't necessarily agree with, but we did it anyway. But the, here's the thing that really I thought about it today. But we're worrying more about a woman smoking, like you said, a joint, when Bill Cosby just got released. Yeah, which I think is messed up. Fucking disgusting, dude. Yeah, I mean he's a horrible individual. Like it's abhorrent what he did to those women. But with that situation. He was promised by a prosecutor that if he testified in one of the cases that they couldn't use his testimony in the criminal case that he had, and they did it anyway. So he's getting out on a technicality, which sucks for not only the victim, but just in general, because it's bullshit. Well, here's... I never knew this, but I thought he had, like, you know, five, six, maybe seven allegations. It was fucking 60. Yeah. And I never realized that until... Thursday, maybe. So I knew there was some. I knew there was a high number of people that are accusing him. I never knew. However, that. only one of them brought up criminal charges against him, which says either the women weren't serious with their accusations, or there wasn't enough evidence to be able to prove it. Because if someone came out and said, like Deshaun Watson, they one therapist came out and said, you know, he forced me to do this, this, and another thing while I was trying to give him a massage, and then. 20-some-odd other therapists came out and said the same thing. I could come out and say that he tried to do that to me, too. 
Hmm. Which I'm big on believing women, but if you have 60 plus accusers and only one of them brings up criminal charges, which Bill Cosby was drugging and raping women, that should be criminal charges, period. But if they can't have enough evidence to be able to prove that these allegations were true and could bring them up against criminal charges, you can only believe so much. I think he did it. I think he's a piece of shit human being. And he's getting on a technicality, which I think is bullshit. I think he should rot. But... I don't know. Our just, justice system is fucked as it is. It needs mm-hmm. to be completely overhauled. I think that we need to focus more on rehabilitation of prisoners instead of just incarceration. I mean, we could spend a whole episode talking about it, but I don't know. It's just a whole mess. I mean, it, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean... Hopefully when I run for office someday I can help change that. Vote for me. If you run for president, I will. Um, I don't know, dude. I just feel like like you said, you have to have evidence, and just just saying he did this to me isn't evidence. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty in the court of law, right. but in the court of public opinion, people are still going to think you're a piece of shit human being. Right. Which I think so is now more he's, than justified. He's not going to have any more respect, which is fucking fine by me. Yeah, absolutely. 60 women had rape allegations against him? Jesus. So let me ask mm. you this, then. How do you feel about our former president? What about him? I mean, he has the multiple whole. women that have claimed that he's either raped them or talked inappropriately about them or has walked into dressing rooms at Miss Universe pageants, done all this other stuff. If you think Bill Cosby's horrible for the stuff that he did or Deshaun Watson's a shitty person for the stuff that he did, how do you feel about our president? Because I personally think Donald Trump wasn't a terrible president in terms mm-hmm. of helping our economy. I think he was a blubbering idiot. No, but I think the same. He's. I think he's a piece of shit human being. If he was smart, he would have had somebody that, you know, could actually speak, do his press conferences, rather than himself, because he would just ramble on rather than actually doing anything good. But, I mean, like you said, he's... He was a good president. What he did for the country was good, but what he did... Like, behind closed doors was a little bit fucked up. Yeah, a little bit? A lot. A lot. Half of those came out false, by the way. Which adds on to the point that false allegations do happen. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm going to believe women or men that say stuff happened. And like I said, in the eyes of the law, you're innocent until proven guilty. But in the court of public opinion, you're still a piece of shit. Which I think is fine by me. Because... These allegations don't happen for no reason. They don't. It's either you're gonna money, have, politics, or it actually happens. There's going to be some kind of motivation behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have someone like Sean Oakman where stuff happens. You know, shit happens. He was a famous athlete. He was going to probably be a top five pick in the NFL draft. This girl made a fake allegation against him. And what happened, happened. But when you have someone like Donald Trump, who is friends with Jeffrey Epstein, that did all this stuff, they have video or audio recording of him saying, grab him by the pussy, whatever, blah, 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 blah. He's a piece of shit human being. Mm. I think 99% of people can agree with that. As far as being a president goes, he was probably a dumbass when it came to talking and doing this stuff. For sure. For the economy, he was pretty good. But I think he made an absolute joke out of the United States. Mm -hmm. He tore our country apart and further divided us. And I think that was more the media than him, though. I think it was both equally, because he did nothing but add fuel to the fire. Like, you look at the January 6th stuff with the insurrection at the Capitol. He didn't do enough to stop it early. He encouraged it at the start. I mean, it's just... When you hold the highest office in the land, being the president of the United States, you are the leader of the free world. He's also a public servant. It doesn't matter. You hold... The highest office office in the world. You have to be able to speak and act a certain way to be able to lead the United States of America, who is a beacon of hope for the rest of the world. We, you're held to a higher regard. You need to be able to speak and act with respect for other people to be able to make our country look good in how you speak because we are a role model for the rest of the world and Trump made us look stupid. What? I don't think Biden's that good either. Okay, there we go. You answered my <laughs> Let question. Let me throw that out there for you. I think he is... He worries me a lot. Mm-hmm. He's just as old as Trump, but 
spent a lot of time. He is older than Trump by like two years. Uh, I spent a lot of time in nursing homes with people that have early onset dementia. He shows a lot of the signs and symptoms. He has a stutter anyway that he's had his entire life, but he really struggles to speak. I'm just talks out of his ass a lot and doesn't know what he's talking about. It's really worrisome. But the most worrisome thing with Biden is a lot of the footage and the pictures and stuff of him like touching women and children and like unnecessarily like feeling kids like this or going in for yeah sniffing kissing them i mean yeah it's all uncomfortable and it's gross it really is but there's no allegations against him for it which i think when there's proof which i think has a lot to do with the fact that he leans left politically and the media right now is driven by sucking him off basically yeah essentially yes but you also had Trump, who was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, who did abhorrent and so terrible was it, things. So was the Clintons. Exactly, and I agree with that. I think the Clintons, <clears throat> Clintons are terrible people, too. Uh-huh. Uh, That's why I voted for Trump. I was pinned with Trump, who's good for the economy, but a piece of shit, and Hillary, who's bad for the economy and a piece of shit, so I went for the guy that's going to do something for the country, but make us look like idiots. We were basically forced to pick the lesser of two evils in right. our own eyes. Which I think is silly anyway, because America, like I said, is supposed to be a beacon of hope for the rest of the world. We should be able to put out, like JFK said, the best and the brightest. Why are we stuck with a failed reality TV star in Donald Trump, who is a pretty decent businessman, even though he's had multiple businesses go bankrupt, or Those were Hillary, here's, here's or Hillary, or Hillary Clinton, who probably, maybe... We'll never find out. Probably has people that suicide themselves. Uh, uh, that's not the only thing. Yeah, I know. But listen, my politics, I am socially liberal. I don't care who you want to have sex with, who you want to marry, what you want to call yourself. I don't care. As long as you're a decent person, I fuck with right. you. Fiscally, I want to keep my money in my own pocket. Mm. So I tend to identify as a libertarian. However, in the state of Maine, we have closed primaries, which means if you don't identify as a Republican... Or a Democrat, you can't vote in primaries. So I'm a registered Republican. However, in elections, I have been known to vote for the Democratic candidate, depending on what's going on. I'm very much an issue-by-issue kind of person. Right. Which I am. And I hate that I got stuck trying to choose between Donald Trump and Hillary or Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And I'm going to feel the same way in 2022 when we vote for our governor... Between Paula Page, who I think is just like Donald Trump and the mm-hmm. fact that he's great for our economy, but makes us look like an idiot when he said that he wants to punch Obama in the face and Obama's an idiot and this and that, but was great for our economy. Or Janet Mills, who is absolutely horrible at her job and has been terrible for the state of Maine for our economy. I feel horrible that we have to choose between two people that I think are blubbering idiots. Agreed. We as the United States, who are supposed to be known as the greatest democracy in the world should be able to put out better candidates. But it's not going to happen because we are stuck in partisan politics and we're not putting out people that are going to be best for the people. We are putting out candidates that are best for the party that are going to stick to a platform. And that is incredibly unfortunate. So, the reason why we're never going to get good candidates, the right just wants a president that wants guns, wants freedom, wants all that shit, but the right sees every single candidate that the left throws up as somebody that doesn't want guns, doesn't want freedom, and doesn't want any of that shit. That's the far right. So you're that's like the extreme view. Yeah, that's, that's the extremist like conservative view. Then there's the extremist left-wing liberal view. And then there's like the middle ground views where that's like Democrat, Republican, and then there's Libertarian. So, here's my issue. You just said the far right and the far left, which I'm fine with. However, it's the far left and the far right that are in control of each party right now. Right. Whether that's Mitch McConnell for the Republicans. Who, by the way, piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Or... I'm a diehard Republican, dude, but holy fuck. Mitch McConnell's a blubbering idiot. He needs to get gone. He might have had some election rigging stuff going on, Mm -hmm. but that's all being investigated, so I'm not going to speak on it too much. Then, on the left side, you have Nancy Pelosi, who's Speaker of the House, who I cannot stand. She's from San Francisco, California. And then you have people like AOC, Alan Omar, all those kind of people. I think they're all blubbering idiots. Mm. Then you have people that are in the middle. You have people like Jared Golden from the state of Maine, who's a Democrat. 
from the second district. Great guy, though. Absolutely great guy. He's pro Second Amendment, as are Democrat, which is very much a unicorn in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. And then you have people like Susan Collins on the other side of the aisle, who Republicans hate because she votes left, and Democrats hate because she does stuff like put Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court and make other decisions with the Republicans. That is what a politician is supposed to be. You are not supposed to stick to a party platform 100%. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm. A party platform is good for people just getting into politics to understand where each side of the aisle tends to lie. However, as a politician, you are supposed to speak for the people that elected you. Mm. So, as someone from California like Nancy Pelosi is, she probably does our editor job. However, being in party leadership, I don't like that. Because you have to be able to make compromises. Being able to compromise in government or in life in general is an incredibly important skill. You should not be able to go into a group of people and say it's my way or no way, which is mm. exactly what's happening and it's hurt our country about more than any of us can understand. Ever since basically Bush, it's happened. Every single president that has stepped in that office has said it's my way, nobody else's. So for the past like 20 years. There's always been a party divide. Right. Ever since the beginning of our country, whether that's Whigs and Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, whatever that may be. However, we've always been able to come together and make decisions and make compromises for the betterment of our country. Over the last 20 years, that divide has gotten so much bigger. And over the last eight, it has gotten huge. Mm. And that's why I know... Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. But I didn't like the fact that the past... Four years of Donald Trump's presidency, it was all, he's not my president, he's a piece of shit, all this, all that, you know. The media then, was constantly berating And then too. Biden gets in, and the first thing he says is, we want unity. Now, how the fuck did they expect that to happen? Because the left hates the right so much, and the right hates the left so much. Now... Again, like you said, it's the far right and the far left. I don't give a fuck if you're Democrat, Libertarian, fucking, uh, what's the other middle one? Uh, independent. Yep. I don't care what you are. I just want you to be a good person, just like you said. But the hard left and the hard right is so, so against each other that the Democrats are hoping that we have unity and it's never going to happen. Listen, in the last 20 years, the United States as a country has come together twice as a people and have all celebrated and come together as one. And those two instances are 9-11 on September 11, 2001, when terrorists struck the Twin Towers and a couple other places in the United States, and in 2013 or 14, when Osama bin Laden died. Right. So technically, you could say 9-11 twice brought our country together, where everybody was on the same page, everybody celebrated, and everyone was celebrating the same thing. However, in the last 20 years, the divide in our country has grown bigger, whether that's divide over race, over gender, over whatever else that may be, and that is incredibly unfortunate. I'm going to leave you guys with this. We are all Americans. Mm. Whether you are black, white, Asian, Latino, gay, straight, whatever else you may be, we are Americans at the end of the day, and we need to do what is best for America. Plain and simple. We need to make our country better so it's a good place for not only our generation, but the future generations. If only the people in Washington understood that, our country would be getting better minute by minute. Do your best to be involved, vote in elections, and put people into positions of power that speak for the people and not their own pockets. Thank you, and good night.